You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Recorded live. Hello, this is Mike. Stuff about the truthful man journey to find it. It is November the 7th, 2015. I'm going to try to get into at least finishing chapter one of um, I'll start with the pause here, folks. Uh, Ernest L. Martin's book The Star That Astonished the World, The Star of Bethlehem. <clears throat> kind of really uh, worn out today. Emotionally worn out today. And um, I feel, you know, worn out. Uh, yeah, going through some heavy stuff right now. Uh, living in the satanic world of matrix that I live in of lies and deceptions and dealing with people who insist on that, that I play along. In particular, I'm getting a lot of grief right now from my son's mother because of a couple of things. See, I, I uh, dared to care about my son enough telling the truth about Santa and elves in particular. Let's look at elves. <clears throat> so what I told him, I said, listen, Santa's not real. My son's four. And she just wrote to the to the local blade, told him, uh, the, the newspaper here in town, that uh, my husband, my, my uh, not my husband, my son's father, so I guess so bad that he told him the son the truth. Anyways, there's a little thing out there called The Elf on the Shelf Christmas Tradition by Carol V. Albert Sold and Chata A. Bell. Adopt a new family tradition this holiday season about an elf. It's a little stuffed elf and there's a book. And Anyways, I told him the truth that it's not real and I had him touch it. I also told him that Santa's not real. And she's extremely upset with me. And that's the reason why, uh, being on my own, I, uh, I'm doing baby steps as far as trying to break away from the lies and traditions of Christmas. And, and uh, you know, what I said to my son, and we do, we play with the elf. That Santa's real, that we remind him that it's not real, that we're pretending, that we're playing. Apparently, I'm a really bad father, a really bad person for speaking the truth. So, anyways, I've been getting a lot of grief for it. 
that's the reason why I actually put up a Christmas tree this year. Um, because I knew I was going to have to take baby steps on this. Because she's going to indoctrinate him into the lies and deception. So I don't know. What's your guys' feedback? I'm sure we're going to find out. She sent uh, the, to the local newspaper saying what a terrible father I am for telling my son the truth. Now, my feelings about it are, as a father, I have a responsibility to tell him the truth as much as possible and to help him realize that all this quote-unquote magic, the magic of Christmas is lies. See, magic is all about lies. It's about the use of uh, wordsmithing and saying things that are not true, pretending that things are real when they're not, putting faith in others. And I find that uh, a lot of the traditions of Christmas Certainly you can have fun with, but that's what it should be, nothing more than that. And we shouldn't be telling our kids to believe in Santa, which we scribble letters around Satan, and it's pretty quite obvious what they're doing. So, Anyways, my heart, my soul is, is, is low. It's spirit is low right now because of all this. Because I do care about his mom, and she said a lot of things, and that are, you know, we're expressing her opinion about me, but none of it's true. But you know what? You can't do anything about it if people believe things that aren't, and they convince themselves of things that aren't to justify their own behavior. Also, neighbor talked to him yesterday, pretty much thinking I'm crazy because I uh, believe that the earth is flat. Only because of uh, no one's proved me otherwise, and based on my own observations, it's clear to me that it is not a ball. I guess I'm crazy though for thinking such a thing. You know, truth is a lonely warrior, and truth is one of those things where. Um, People don't really want to know the truth about it, anything because of whatever rationale they have. I mean, getting grief about reading this book because somehow they equate the, this with astrology, and that's not the same thing. So, oh wow. Well. Live in a world where all under extreme mind control magic, the use of uh, their sorceries and their imagery and their false narratives. I made a terrible sin. I'm making two blasphemous. sins, if you will. Heretical sins. Speaking the truth of how I see the world to be and uh, telling my son that Santa's not real and that elves aren't either. I don't understand the issue. Well, I do understand the issue. I'm dealing with somebody who's the complete opposite of me turned out to be. 
dangers of following pretty instead of, you know, with the eyes. Instead of <clears throat> following the truth of teachings of Jesus Christ. Yes. Now, what does the Bible say? I know what to do. Let's go over here for a second. Just see what we got here going on. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm pretty bummed out. Christmas is really a rough time, if you want to do the truth, because it's all based on a whole bunch of fables and lies. <laughs> and it's supposed to make you feel good about all the lies. I don't see anything wrong with me as a father telling my son the truth. But obviously I live in a world where that's the opposite. And um, I see everyone desperately trying to make sense of a world that doesn't make any sense. It's from David Mikhail, excuse me, uh, ChristianityBelief.org uh, and RomanCatholicBelief.org. Uh, Pope benefits the 13th said, quote, we declare, assert, define, and pronounce to be subject to the Roman pontiff is to every creature altogether necessary for salvation. I have the authority of the king of kings. I am all in all and above all, so that God himself and I, the vicar of Christ, have but one consistory. And I am able to do almost all that God can do. What, therefore, can you make of me but God? Pope Pius, Pius and a quote, by the way. Total blasphemy. Pope Pius IX said, I alone am the successor of the apostles, the victors of Christ, and I am the way, the truth, and the life. Or blasphemy. They get away with that. I tell my son that Santa's not real, and I get a letter sent to the local newspaper telling him what a terrible father I am. <laughs> Dear God, in the name of Jesus, have mercy on me. Please have mercy on me, God. Hey, Father, please have mercy. Next one is Pope Pius the Tenth declared the Pope is not simply the representative of Christ. On the contrary, he is Jesus Christ himself under the veil of flesh. Does the Pope speak? It is Jesus Christ who is speaking. Hence, when anyone speaks of the Pope, it is not necessary to examine but obey. This is Christ of Christ Mass. And the fourth century Roman bishops and emperor Constantine created the Roman religion of Christianity featuring Christ's figure named Jesus. <clears throat> I'm starting to believe that it's actually Yeshua, or maybe he's not even that, I don't know. 
they, des- they designated that his birth was 1225, which points to the true God soul uh, Invictus as they were sun god worshippers. The Pope proclaimed that Jesus Christ in the proclaimed to be Jesus Christ in the flesh. They are all false messiahs. Come out of Babylon or the Roman religion and our daughter churches. So, um, yeah, I'm going through my, uh, a lot of personal struggles on a daily and weekly and weekly basis just to find the truth and to hold on to my faith in my Lord and Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, or as we know Jesus Christ. And a lot of people say that it is not his name. I don't know. In truth, I do not know, except the Bible says so. Therefore, I put my faith in that for now until proven otherwise. Uh, check out the satanic symbols. And then my mom, uh, uh, she did a painting of, of uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ with the two fingers up and this blows and the Roman power salutes and uh, the blood and sands. And then I, I took my uh, a flag that for my father, who when he died a few years ago, they had the, uh, I guess, the 21-gun salute. I got the shells from the salute, and I got uh, the flag that's encased in a triangle pyramid. And the way they fold the flag, uh, the, the blue shows with the stars inverted. <clears throat> so... All around me, there's a lot of lies, deception, and Satanism. And I guess I'm supposed to just go along, to get along. And I did nothing wrong. And I imagine what's going to happen to me is a lot of people are going to abuse the hell out of it. <laughs> this is They say such things as, oh, what a terrible guy. Mike Adams is Michael Adams. Michael H. Adams, by the way, who lives in Sylvania, Ohio, if you want to come persecute me or... Attack me, go ahead. I don't give a crap. My faith is not man, it's in Jesus Christ. So. Nor is it in Santa or Rudolph or any other fictitious figure out there. Now I understand why she's so angry. What am I supposed to do when the whole world is deceived and everyone believes in anything but the truth, the way the truth is life? I got people, you know, they come in my life and they find out something they don't like, then they run away. They come into my life, they find out something they don't like, then they come run away. And then they blame me for being a jerk. I was accused of a lot of things just 20 minutes ago. And none of it is true. None of it's true. I had to deal with the rest of my life being with someone who hates me 
for really no justifiable reason except in their mind they want to hate somebody and I'm the target. Someone who insists on living in fantasy and fable. And most of life is just that, isn't it? We all believe in a lot of lies and fables. And um, tar-breaking. Tar-breaking in the know. ChristmasLie.com Bigger than you think. Click here if you read the terms condition below website. Click here. Enter text only site. Oh yes. Term Christmas along with all other things that are said loudly, publicly and uh dogmatically, violently, incessantly, and with the assistance of $4 billion a year in commercial promotions, rank this holy day as the loudest of the entire year. Beginning now, even before Americans finish their last pieces of turkey and Thanksgiving, the promotion for Christmas began... Why so much effort? Why is the tone so loud that it literally drowns everything else out? Why is it promoted to the point of a, quote, Christian, end quote, or compulsion? Excuse me. Virtually everything you have been told and subject to his pure propaganda and disinformation. In fact, this day of imperial, quote, sun worship, end quote, for the ancient Roman gods, golden days of absolutist medieval fascist dictatorships are being intentionally, quote, reinstored in America. Sure it is, because America is a Roman Catholic country. For precisely, it is the same ancient function, not religion, but control. The control is simply put overly nice words for it. The political terms, it might be called fascist dictatorship, in theological terms, is simply called demonic. Naturally, it wraps itself and layers upon layers of flags and Jesus statues and buttons and bumper stickers that sucker its primary obstacle into its own ranks um, of unfortunately it, it has worked. Rome's solar mass to the deity identified in the Bible as Apollyon is not now, nor has it ever been, a Christ 
Mass. No Protestant in history ever called it that without cringing from some fearing even speaking the title itself to be an act of blasphemy. The real origins and meanings of the Roman soul of solar mass to Apollyon even troubled Latin fathers who also denounced its ritual uh, fraudulently conducted in the name of Christ. Anyways, uh, yeah, I'm really just more, I'm sad. I'm sad because, um, you know, if you love the truth and you do believe, try to be a, a believer in the body of Jesus Christ, you're going to get beat up big time, man. Yeah, it's going to get beat up big time. You know, everyone has their faith in everything but him. And so I'm a terrible human being. But I'm in a terrible bind in predicaments, as my neighbor said, who one breath told me I'm crazy for believing the world's flat. <laughs> and the next moment, telling me, well, you know what? There's nowhere to go. You know, it's already been completely usurped and taken over. So there's not much you can do about Christmas. Interesting, you had a Christmas parade yesterday right down my street. People dressing up in Santaism. So. This leads us to a final suggestion. I'll come back to this book now, once again, about the Star of Bethlehem, which is more than just a star, but really is a, a celestial, amazing moment when roving stars like Mars and Jupiter and Venus and all has some amazing conjunction along with the moon and all that, which apparently Revelation 12 is really probably talking about in particular verifying the fact that Jesus or Yeshua the Messiah, maybe we should start calling Yeshua the Messiah. I don't know. You know, the only begotten, the Son of God, I imagine they took away his name too. But anyways, we're going to get back into this uh, chapter one, which once again, so I make sure for continuity purpose and for you to know where I'm at. I have it also in the information box so you can find it. All you have to do is highlight the information and then press, right-click it and press Google. You should get there somehow. And if you can't, then you can get it through um, thinkandrepeat.com. So. If anybody has any problems, please let me know. Anyways, we're still reading out of Chapter 1, The Star Bethlehem in History. And this is not astrology. This is astronomy. <laughs> you, know, this, you know, stars, the sun and the moon, and given us, God's given us for times and seasons and days and weeks. Kind of thing. So here we go. Uh, but another part of the world, those outstanding astronomical signs were viewed in a different way. And an example of this, some magi 
the wise men or astrologers for the Eastern world were also watching these wonderful celestial phenomena denoting the advent of the royalty. This Magi decided to skip Rome and its festivities and celebrations. Instead, they headed in the direction of Jerusalem. Judea looking for this special child whom they considered to be a very important newborn, quote, king of the Jews. Interpretation of the Magi. And this historical and astronomical information I am giving in this book provides a clue in identifying the star that led the Magi to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem. The evidence is impressive enough that the historians and biblical scholars have to give it serious consideration and for all modern astronomers have recognized that, quote, a notable astronomical event, end quote, occurred at the very time in history. It was one that would have astonished the world. Thankfully, attention to these matters is now being given and by modern scholars. <clears throat> in December of 1980, Griffith Observatory in Los Angeles was the first in modern time to show a new astronomical drama that was occurring in the 18-month period from May 3rd of BCE to December 2nd BCE. Excuse me. Much of this historical and astronomical information was shown in my article in Christianity Today titled The Celestial Pedicentury Dating Christian Birth, end quote. Christ birth, excuse me, which appeared in 1976 and also in my research study called The Birth of Christ Recalculated, first edition 1978. Because of his historical research, Griffith Observatory decided it was time to introduce a new December show at their uh, planetarium. Up to this time, most planetariums throughout the world normally featured the astronomical happenings from 7 to 4 BCE as the possible ones associated with Jesus' nativity, um, which brought the Magi to Jerusalem and then Bethlehem. This new astronomical information made the celestial events of that early period fade into significance. The period of 3 to 2 BCE, both historically and astronomically, is far more impressive and is it coincides with the majority of early historical records as well as those of the Bible. The accounts of in these early records make this period interesting. There is a historical reason for this. It is important to note that the majority of early Christian scholars up to the 4th century placed the birth of Jesus in the very period of 3 to 2 BCE. This is a powerful witness that deserves emphasis. In this book, I will show that the historical and astronomical evidence truly support the basic conclusions of this early uh, Christian father. Since Griffith's observatory recognized the astronomical and historical view or value of the new information, they began to show these uh, celestial events at their planetariums to, for education purposes. Other planetariums also altered their annual December showing to accord with the outstanding display of stellar activity. The Los Angeles Times reported of change by 
made by the Griffith Observatory in December 1980 by stating, quote, at least 10 planetariums in the United States, Germany, and Greece are revising their shows this Christmas season to correspond with the dating theories of Ernest Martin. Scores of others are considering the shift. By 1990, some 10 years later, there were over uh, 600 planetariums. I hope I'm in the right. Planetarium showing three to two BCE astronomical occurrences. It is no wonder these displays at astronomical events have astonished modern astronomers, and it is now recognized that they would have also astonished the ancient world that personally observed them in the heavens. To modern astronomers, 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 astronomers. Astronomers. A central event was that the June 17th to BCE, so magnificent was this astronomical uh, exhibition by two of the brightest planets that Isaac Asimov was impressed to mention it since the celestial phenomenon appeared to observers in Mesopotamia at the occurring as occurring towards Palestine, it prompted Asimov to ask the question, quote, is the fact that the unusual star was seen in the direction of Judea enough to make them think of the Messiah, end quote. Indeed, this may have been the very conjunction that led the Magi to Palestine to give gifts to one they believed to be the king of the Jews. There were serious beliefs even among the Romans that somewhere in this period a mighty ruler was destined to come out of the eastern part of the empire. People may well have wondered if the astronomical sign in 3 to 2 BCE were heaven's signals and the new prophetic ruler was imminent. The heavens were certainly making a grand display, and the Magi were well, may have, may well have interpreted the signs according, especially in witnessing the conjunction of Jupiter and Venus in June 17th, 2 BCE. <clears throat> the star of the wise man, men, plural, when the full story is known about these matters and what happened astronomically uh, from May 3 BCE to December 2 BCE, historians and astronomers may now be able to discover the very star that led the wise men to, to the infant Jesus at Bethlehem. Isaac Asimov asked the right question about the conjunction of Jupiter and Venus on June 17, 2 BCE. We may share our and we may share our inquisitiveness with him. <clears throat> Was this the star of the Messiah that the Jews and others were looking for? Was this the star mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew, supported by the account of the Gospel of Luke? 
the word star in the first century could refer to a planet as well as a fixed star. Could the star have been the planet Jupiter, which more likely is a star than a planet at this point? The historical evidence for evidence recorded in the New Testament about the star Messiah chronologically occurred precisely at this, at this time, and this is the period early Christian scholars said Jesus was born. This matters. These matters need serious investigation, and the academic world recognizes the importance of the astronomical activity. Historians and classical scholars are aware of this new information that was recorded in my early article and book. Let me give a few reviews of some of the research Dr. Thorley of England wrote in the classical journal of Greece and Rome. Quote, New light has been thrown in the date of nativity. Martin tackles the historical problems convincingly. It does, it does seem that Luke's account of the nativity is turning out to be essentially accurate in his historical details. And Luke did not mislead, uh, mislead the Theophilus, not even historically. National Catholic Register also reported the new information. Dr. Martin directs the Pasadena, excuse me, not Pasadena, the Pasadena-based organization devoted to research on biblical subjects. He has had considerable archaeological experience in the education section of Time. Magazine in September 3 of 1973 was devoted to him and his excavations in Jerusalem. He is not only not only knows his subject but can write simply and understandably. His work does seem to afford a solemn astronomical basis for calculating the birth of Jesus Christ in 1987. Publication of the Christmas Star. <laughs> Uh, published by Griffith Observatory, we read, quote, Martin has rewritten the history of this period, clearing up a slew of nagging problems. Prominent classical historians are taking his work very seriously, although it will be years before the consensus is reached, and impartial referees would probably conclude that Martin's chronology is correct, end quote. This is new information inspired Guidepost magazine in December of 1988 issued the state to state having been given the astronomical evaluations of those on the staff of Elder uh, Planetarium in Chicago that this historical evidence represents the best explanation of the star Bethlehem yet presented. This was followed by uh, November 1992 with the presentation and discussion of the research on the Star of Bethlehem at the Center uh, for Constructive Alternative Seminars at Hillsdale College in Michigan. Among those attending were Professor Owen Ginrich, Professor of Astronomy and Science at Harvard University, and several other prominent professors in other scientific disciplines. The astronomer, Dr. Crave Chester, gave 
the lecture at the seminar on the new research in December of 1993. He wrote a full report about these astronomical historical findings in Imprimus magazine, in which he said, among among astronomers, in the first edition of this book, the star that astonished the world, quote, has become the authoritative source on the subject, end quote. There is no question that the astronomical occurrence, which occurred from 3 to 1 BCE, did in fact happen, and they represent some of the most spectacular celestial displays that either astronomers or the general public could ask for to introduce a newborn king into the world if there were any design to it at all. And I believe there was. Most people would think that someone of great importance was then being announced to the world. This is because the whole of the heavenly host was bursting forth in the brilliant panoramic exhibition that would have certainly astonished those who witnessed it. The Star of Bethlehem has now been found. With uh, Roger Sunot, over 20 years ago, a concert concentrating on the astronomical events of this period, suggested that the star of Bethlehem could be found with the planetary union of the Jupiter and Venus in 2 BCE. The door was open that made it possible to identify the biblical star in an astronomical and historical sense. What Sunnet suggested began to make sense to other astronomers. The result of his research were impressive to several astronomers, C.A. Federer, Federer, editor-in-chief of Sky and Telescope, said that, quote, Senate's results make the star of Bethlehem more plausible astronomically than has seen theretofore, end quote. In addition to the astronomical appraisal, this present book will show that some identification also becomes possible in the historical sense as well. When the records of the history are combined with the results of astronomy, it has now become possible to identify the star of star Bethlehem that many people for the past 1900 years have been trying to discover. What is needed is a serious scholarly consideration for the scientific approach and in identifying the star of Bethlehem and evaluating the data will result in much better understanding of the historical era of the time. The astronomer John Mosley wrote in the Griffith Observer, quote, it, has, it is not often that we see the demise of the astronomical theory that dates back to pre-telescopic times, yet a theory first proposed by none other than the famous astronomer Johannes Kepler himself and generally accepted as correct for more than three and a half centuries is now being discarded. And a new historical research by Dr. Ernest L. Martin, end quote. This historical and astronomical research in this book is why many planetariums over well over 600 in the United States alone are now showing what was astronomically happening at the crucial time of the history when Jesus of Nazareth was born. They are 
correctly and not making judgments on this phenomenon. Planetariums are scientific establishments and are not intended to give opinions on historical or biblical matters. But they are aware of the fascinating, spectacular astronomical relationships that occur in 3 to 2 BCE, the period of the history that reveals the book shows that Jesus is born. Because of this celestial events, these celestial events, there uh, were so remarkable and symbolically significant, many planetariums have considered it worthwhile to show them as a service to the general public because of the widespread interest of, of, in this period of time. <clears throat> There is one thing for certain. The astronomical information given within the books makes this period in history of the world come alive as never before. Whether people today view these planetary slash celestial events from the early Roman Mesopotamian or Palestinian perspective or even from a modern secular one, we now have clear evidence that there was once at the very beginning of our era, a unique appearance of a magnificent star, which must be called the star of the, that astonished the world. Okay. Who are the wise men? Yeah, I'm really just depressed. I mean, I understand why uh, things didn't work out between her, uh, my son's mother and I. We were never going to go down the same path. We just never were. I was going. God was going to push me to search for the truth and come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and things were just going to never work. She's very worldly. And this, you know, just like everyone else, we struggle with it because we've been raised so many lies and I understand her logic although it's not logic at all but um, I, you know, it's not based on logic, it's based on emotion and social pressure to understand where she's coming from. And, um, Got a lot of pressure from everybody. Uh, it's really weird pressure because they never were close to me to begin with. And no one's ever really been close to me. I've tried to, but for some reason, maybe because of the way I look, the way I talk, present myself, all the other things. Either, <laughs> whatever the case may be. Um, I've never had much luck with people, and she's tried to blame that on... She tried to blame it on me, and then uh, so this is the reason why I can't hold a job. Well, I can't hold a job right now because I got MS, and so I keep depression. Oh, uh, 
that I have problems with people, and I I really don't have problems personally with people. I just think that uh, people have problems with a guy like me. And then obviously, here's a fine example. That I would dare to my own son tell him the truth that there's no such thing as Santa, and then have his, her mother, his mother, write an article to the local newspaper called the Pseudo Blade, telling them what a terrible guy I am, and uh, wanting them to publish it and get comments about what a terrible guy I am for telling my, my son, who I love so much, the truth. <laughs> The truth is that there is no such thing as Santa or elves. Now they say, well, he's four years old. They try to tell me and say that I'm a terrible person for telling my son the truth. But I think, personally, I think of myself. And I think, you know, it would have been really nice if someone told me the truth. But you don't leave him hanging there and say, oh, by the way, there's no Santa. But you know what? You explain to him why there's no Santa. You, you know, my son. I spend time with him more than any father ever does. Tell him the truth about things. Why things? I mean, Santa is just it's make believe. And why we're supposed to put our faith in God? Which someone never already taught me that. Who even who God is? They didn't teach me that when I was four. I didn't know what the hell was going on for. My father never talked to me at all. I was trying to blame that on me. Oh, let me guess. Your father told me there was no Santa. No, my father told me nothing. Except go talk to your mom. I remember when I was helping my son walk, I broke down in tears because I realized I never had a moment in my life with my father. So I think the best that I can, I know difficult when you're I think as a four-year-old when you're 47, almost 48. But you know what? Really, I would, I would have been. I would have loved to have somebody in my life who would have told me the truth about how the world works, who who Santa is, really. I don't believe for a moment that a child can't still enjoy Christmas knowing what it really is. And, uh, you know, I have people that are pulling away from me because they know that, in fact, uh, and, you know, last year I, you know, and I've done a show about that, and probably will just about who's, what Christmas is really about, but I have a Christmas tree. Because I live in a world that's very pagan and Roman Catholic, and I have to work my, I have to teach my son some way. And just to just say, nope, that's it. That's not fair to him. Actually, it's an opportunity to teach him that this is all just nonsense. As far as bowing down to the tree, I don't have to. In fact, I don't even have to put a present under the tree, do I? I don't even have to have all the Santas and angels and all the other stuff on it, you know? Ah, everybody has their opinion about things. I try. Everyone tries to do the best you can. I care about my son. And I plan on telling him the truth about everything. I understand how difficult it's going to be for him. But I also know how much more difficult it's going to be for him not knowing the truth. 
and uh, it's kind of funny how uh, in this journey, the more and more I go through all this stuff, the more I realize there's nobody to turn to but my Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ, Yeshua the Messiah, and that's it. That's it. There's nobody to turn to. I got nobody to lean on. I got nobody to help. That I hope uh, that I'm going to get any kind of uh, support in this in my life of any significance that's going to mean anything. And I guess that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, am I a bad person? Well, and. Uh, Uh, let's see what else. I mean, does that really make me a bad person telling my son the truth? There is no Santa. There's no such thing as else. I don't know. Well, we can go back to a little more. I said to myself, <laughs> keep screwing up and saying the same thing. Chance said he wanted to talk to me around this afternoon. Yes. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, it really is heartbreaking. Because you know what? In the day, I even love this mom. I didn't want us to break up. I, I mean, I have a trying to make things other than it is because I understand what it is. So maybe if it was 20, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, I would have been dumb enough to try to make that. Of course, I didn't. So the marriage with a woman was not meant to be. And I've been in some pretty bad relationships because I didn't know God, and God wasn't part of it. So, so anyways, we'll see where we're at with all this. Um, Sixty-five to ninety-five A.D. The prophecies were penned, which part of the New Testament. The prophecy also specifies and thankful, especially the single person by the name, by name, powerful men in the world. Before the person of this exact specific name appeared. descriptions of his activities and identity beyond all odds. No other world figure of this description in history of humanity has here of one of the most powerful legal institutions of Western civilization and amongst Christians have never heard of any of this. This is what they will not tell you 
schools because of politics, and they will not tell you in church because of something called apostasy. The actual name, there is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the piece and the number of a man, and the number is six score, six hundred and three score and six. In Rome, in Rome, December 25th, became the rule of the West. In 435, when the first, quote, Christ Mass was officiated by Pope Sixtus III, this coincided with the date of celebration by the Romans and their primary God, the Son. <clears throat> Literally, no anagrams, no fancy tricks, no mumbo-jumbo, 666 literally. Six. So, um, the celibate Nicolaitans practice fornication, not adultery, and they practice it with orphans at Saturnia or Juvenile. Notice Lust demons, uh, demon Capernaus is coming out from beneath the bishop's robe. Arrows practicing pederasty. Uh, he his and his he's the Nicolaitan woman selected bearing this name as its pope, fully known. It's a significance in Revelations. See, part of the reason why uh, uh, Catholic priests and and um, Jesuit priests and all that to practice pedophilia is because it's part of their their religion. But unfortunately, the average Roman Catholic doesn't know that. Or the average Protestant or average anybody does that, it seems to be. Really depressed. But I got to pursue just the point of sitting around here and feeling bad for myself. And I try to keep a hold of the wall. The wall's not talking to me. He's still, the Sabbath thing still causing problems for him. And I told him, you know, that it's you can't based on a Saturday Sunday, it's not part of the Gregorian calendar. Again, he brought it up and I said, you know, it's based on the lunar solar calendar. You gotta practice it to practice it correctly, at least get the day right. <laughs> Logically and uh, reasonably it would be at least people would be practitioners of following the the moon. Um, contrary to the sun's worshippers of Rome, and a big part of it would be because we live in a desert. What object would be the most easily observable in a desert? Well, that, of course, would be the moon. You say, what does all of this matter? What matters big deal? So, it's still going on today. Apparently, there's still some issues going on. If we are supposed to be followers of Yahshua the Messiah, then are we supposed to be doing that, or do we believe what it says in the New Testament that he freed us from all this legalism? 
the rituals and religions of men, and that now instead of following the calendar of the moon or the Gregorian calendar, we follow in worship God in in spirit and truth, whatever that means. That's to be questioned that most of us must wrestle with because it's been taken from us. Obviously, we all live under a great amount of sin, whether we know it or not, or whether it's deliberate or not. <clears throat> I'm very sad about the whole thing because I've been trying really hard to be cooperative and be nice and be the good father and even good to his mom where I not try to pursue her I haven't tried to pursue her at all I don't want her <laughs> I understand exactly the dawn line of that it's very sad I even see this whole thing about the flat earth thing and the movement and they want to make a movement and a religion out of the whole damn thing the truth of the matter is, the real issue is is just recognizing the fact that we've been lied to, the fact that we live in a ball, and then the other thing is why we can't. And I allowed to see the the edges or see what's beyond what we're allowed to know. Obviously, that would be because we live in a giant prison, although it's not a planet, it's a plane, it. And the lies are just amazing. And apparently it's all justified out of the, you know, money, money, single eye, or even that single eye, we see a $1 bill, money, moan, mona, one, singular, eye. Our singular eye is on ourselves and about our own wealth, our own prosperity in the satanic system. Instead of I, 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 God, we all struggle that desperately because there's just too many distractions and because we're weak spiritually, weak intellectually, and weak even in recognizing reality. We are all under the spell of magic through imagery, through the, uh, the written word, through language itself. I can't even tell you for certain that even this Martin's book is 100% true because I wasn't there. I can only assume this is dangerous in itself and hope that the man is being legit about the whole thing. I don't know because I didn't walk his path. I know his knowledge. Once again, it's one of those things that we're under. If I just be honest, sit still, stand still, and look around me, I am a prisoner. And a very elaborate and very fancy prison. I truly do care about his mom. She hates me so much. She has so much hate in her. But I understand that it's not me. It could be anybody. It's just my turn. And this is what people do. They vent their anger and hate and frustration on others. And they find someone that they feel that they control and manipulate and they feel that it's weak enough to do such a thing. 
Oh, I imagine things will get bad. Don't notice. Just like everything else I've experienced, whenever you stand for the truth about something, if you believe belief it's the truth, others are going to say, no way, especially if that contradicts their worldview. It is heartbreaking. It is. I see so many people. It's not just my unique experience, human experience. I see so many people living shattered, broken lives, you know, not being allowed to be with people that they care about, usually because of lying and indoctrination that they all go under. It's really heartbreaking. And then, of course, if you bring these things up and talk about these things, well, then, you know, uh, you deserve it. You're a jerk anyways. You're an idiot for not knowing, you know, not going along with the program. You're a bad person for not going along with the program. And so, I'm in a great dilemma myself for now. I see the same thing over and over again. Really, the only time people like you is if you just shut up and follow. <laughs> just shut up and be quiet. Do what you're told. She has a lot of Italian in here, so she's probably a little bit something else, but I don't know. Who were the wise men? One of the most important points to understand and understanding the New Testament states about the star of Bethlehem is to realize the social and political status of the wise men who came to Herod. This is true, and it's very vague, and it really frustrates me what man has done to the Word of God in making it so vague. The word that has that was used to describe them as, quote, magi, end of quote, this was the title, and as the first century, it signified that there were professional astrologers. This fact is uh, so well known in scholarly circles that many modern translators of the New Testament simply render magi as astrologers without explanation. One, once this primary point is realized, we are now provided with a reliable information that it can make the account of the Magi's visit to Herod understandable. Simply teaching of the Gospel of Matthew states that astrologers came from the eastern part of the world to pay homage to the newborn, quote, king of the Jews, end quote, and to present him with the customary gifts that were generally accorded to new kings. The account in the New Testament does not mean that the writers of the Gospel of Matthew were endorsing the principles of astrology because there are biblical verses condemning its religious practice, which Matthew no doubt was aware of. But in mentioning their trek of Jerusalem, Matthew 
shows that the Magi themselves were motivated by symbolic principles which were taken seriously by people in the world at the time. The recording of this account in Matthew makes it clear that Matthew did not view these Magis as quacks or charlatans. When the Magi came to Jerusalem with their announcement that the star of the newborn Jewish king had been seen, Herod, quote, was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, end quote. Since the Magi were professional astronomers as well as astrologers, the method of their visit the mention of their visit to Jerusalem was Matthew's way of securing the testimony of the top scientific authorities to the authentic, 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 oh my gosh, to authenticate, authenticate, my tongue's not going to work again, authenticate the role birth of Jesus, the importance of the Magi. These Magi's came from the east bearing rich gifts for the newborn king. They could not have been reckoned as certain classes of sorcerers or confidence or confidence, confidence men who roamed the Roman world under the name of Magi. <clears throat> Herod and all the Jerusalem would hardly have been troubled by what they considered imposters. But if the Magi had come from the court of the the Parthian kings who employed Magi, who employed Magi in their religious affairs and their government, or or their respected Magi. Magi and colleges of the East, then that would have been a different matter in view of Herod and the Jews of Jewish authorities in Jerusalem. I'll read this again. These Magi's came from the East bearing rich gifts for the newborn king. They could not have been reckoned as certain classes of sorcerers or confidence men who roamed the Roman world under the name of Magi. Herod and all of Jerusalem would hardly have been troubled by what they considered impostors. But if the Magi had come from the court of the Parthian kings, who employed the Magi in the religious affairs of their government, or from the respected Magian uh, colleges of the East, then that would have been a different matter in the view of Herod and the Jewish authorities in Jerusalem, in order to have the, an audience with Herod and for him to have members of the Sanhedrin, the, the Supreme Court of the Jews, to hear the interpretations of these Magi's, must show that they were held in high esteem by the people of Jerusalem. And their deportment. <clears throat> It was customary for the Magi to dress in magnificent priestly attire to indicate their professional status. In presenting themselves before royalty, the historical records show that the Magi did this 
with pomp and circumstances, and traveling or on official business in areas where their influence was felt, it was normal for the priestly magi to proceed in the uh, processional mode with various ranks of them and uh, them appropriately positioned in the caravan. This must have been the matter in which they approached the city of Jerusalem to present their gifts to the newborn king of the Jews. This would account for the respectful attitude of Herod and the Jewish authorities to them. It's important to realize that this type of travel for respected Magian priests is not a fantasy story. They traveled in majestic style. The account recorded by Matthew fits well with other journeys of Magian priests when they were presented to kings and emperors. When Tyridatus, Tyridatus, I guess that's what it is, of the Order of the Magi was made king over Armenia by the Emperor America, Armenia, by the Emperor Nero, the new Magian king, went to Rome with the other Magi to present gifts to Nero. A great deal of ceremony was associated with this visit of the Magi. This must have been the case with the Magi who came to Herod. He would have given them the proper ceremonial protocol. This is why, quote, all the Jerusalem, and quote, knew of their coming and why members of the San Sanhedrin were summoned to hear their interpretations of the star which they had seen. The account in Matthew harmonizes perfectly with other historical events involving Magi in the time of early Roman Empire, of the early, early Roman Empire, professional role of Magi. There is considerable amount of early information about the Magi of the East. They are told by the ancient historian Hero. The Herodotus, Herodotus, excuse me, the early historian Herodotus, that they were originally one of the six tribes of the Medes, a priestly caste similar to the Levites among the Israelites. In their early history, the, uh, their occupation was to provide the kings of the Medes. Persians and Babylonians with what they considered to be divine information about the daily matters involving government affairs. Because of the high religious and political esteem accorded them by the people of the East, of the East they were able in the 6th century BCE even to overturn some royal powers. Their role in interpreting divine matters for kings and rulers is mentioned in the Bible. And the prophet, the prophet Daniel in the time of the king Nebuchadnezzar became the, quote, master of the magicians, master of the magi, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, and the quote. The prophet Jeremiah mentioned 
that the chief authorities among the Magi were called the Arab Mag, Mag, Rab Mag, whatever that means. Well, we could look that up real fast and see what a Rab Mag is. Of course, we know it is the chief authorities, but let's see if it goes along with what. And topical with bread bags, the general officer of the Nebuchadnezzar army, taken to Jerusalem. There's an Prophet Daniel must have been assigned to this high office. Perhaps the fraternalization of Daniel with the early Magis in Babylon helps to explain why those in the Magi profession expected a Jewish king to arrive near the end of the first century. This is ver- this is the very thing that Daniel prophesied would happen. Recall that Daniel prophesied the rebuilding of Jerusalem after the Babylonians destroyed it in the 6th century BCE. He also said that in 490 said that 490 years would pass from from a command to rebuild the Jerusalem until the world, a world embracing Masonic kingdom, would emerge on the, <clears throat> the earth, the religion of Palestine. The prophetic, the prophecy had numerous unknown factors associated with it. For example, Daniel did not clearly explain which command to rebuild. Jerusalem was meant. He did not say whether his ear length were solar or were lunar or solar. Regarding the Messiah, Daniel did not indicate if the 490 years would end with his birth, <clears throat> his bar mitzvah, when he would become 20 years of age be able to go to war when he would become 30, the year of spiritual adulthood, and whenever the Messiah would be proclaimed king, which could happen at any time during his life. Of course, we know that Daniel's 70th weeks reveals all that, but once we have not been able to interpret that. Because Daniel did not declare these points, the prophecy was vague to the Jews and others at the time. It was subject to a variety of interpretations. Most Jews, however, were certain enough about the prophecy to believe that it would occur sometime near the first century. Josephus, the Jewish historian who lived in the last part of the first century and mentioned a conviction among the Jews that his prophecy of Daniel would have its fulfillment within the first century, Josephus said that it was shown that in the, quote, sacred writings that about that time, one from their country, Judea, should become governor of the habitable earth, end quote. <clears throat> there can be no doubt that the Magi and the Mesopotamia would have been 
aware of this prophetic indica indications among the Jews. In fact, the scholars today are able to see that there was a great deal of mingling of beliefs between the Jews and the Magi at, the Magi at the, this period of time. This was because of their connections with one another since the 6th century BCE, naturally. Even the Romans were aware of the prophecies of Daniel, Suetonius, in the early 2nd century, said, quote, a firm belief had long prevailed through the East that there was destined for the empire of the world, the emperor of the world at that time, to be given to someone who should go forth from Judea, end of quote. Roman, Roman historian uh, Tacitus also said, quote, the majority of the Jewish people were very impressed with the belief that it was contained in ancient writings of the priests that it would come to pass that at the very time the East would renew its strength and, their, and they that should go forth from Judea should be rulers of the world, end of quote. <clears throat> Just because you we start to see that this new world order <clears throat> with the Jesuits, with the uh, Jews and the pseudo-Jews and all that, you know, the whole thing, the Roman Empire, this is what they're all playing out today. They're trying to make it happen in their own way. Not in accord the way God wanted it, but in the way of man. So we're seeing pre-before us the fulfillment of a bunch of false prophecy. As we know, the Daniel 70 week was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and there is no gap between the 69th week and the 70th week. And, <laughs> and this whole thing about the Third Temple, all that, none of that's unscriptural. So, even the Roman Emperor Nero was advised by one or two of his court astro astrologers that it was prudent for him to move his seat of emperor. Empire, emperor uh, to Jerusalem because that city was then destined to become the capital of the world. <clears throat> All these widespread beliefs were based on the prophecy of Daniel. Since the Jewish people lived in all areas of the Roman and the Parthian world, worlds, their national aspirations would have been well known, even among the Magi themselves, there were the traditional teachings of the Zoroasters, who influenced Magian doctrine at the time of Herod. The Zoroasters, Zoroaster, Zoroaster. Of course, I've heard this many times, right about it, for the past two years. I still can't say the name. Zoroaster and early religious leader and teacher in the region were where the Magi had their origin taught that at some time in the future there would arise a king who would raise the dead and transfer the world into a kingdom of peace and security. Well, that didn't happen, did it yet? Except for the raising the dead. Interestingly enough, the Zoroastrian tradition associated with the uh, prophesied, prophesied king said this king would come forth from the stock of Abraham. <clears throat> these, uh, 
these beliefs among the people of the Near Asia and in the Roman Empire are in simple fact of history, a simple fact of history. Whether people wish to believe them is another matter. The job of the historian is not to give judgments in the validity or non-validity of these early prophetic or traditional teachings of the Jews, Romans, and the Magi. Historians should simply state what ancient people believe, and that that is what I am trying to do in this book. But one thing for certain, it is not possible to comprehend the history of the first century unless people today are aware of these beliefs that motivated the social, religious, and political actions of those early peoples. All nations were then affected in a most profound way by astrological slash prophetic teachings. This is simple historical fact, and most scholars today accept it without argument. These early prophetic convictions of the Jews, Romans, and Magi were important to those who lived in the first century, and this and the use of astrological interpretations in evaluating historical events of the time was at an all-time high. So when the Magi, who were professional astrologers, say, saw what they considered to be the star of the Jewish king, it was a certain it was a certain sign to them to go to Jerusalem with gifts to present to the newborn king. <clears throat> yeah. good stuff. Once again, I want to thank uh, Visigoth and all the folks over there at uh, thinkofrebeaten.com for presenting this. You know, it's interesting we'll see where we're at here. Yes. So Visigoth was uh, doing some an interview He's now he's passed away. We learned in the show. He had a heck of a hard life too. It seems like a lot of uh, God's people, children, have a hard time with other people. But Ronald Lee Clacton, my father's name is Roland or Ronald. Uh, he always pronounced it Roland. I think it was because the it's a little different spelling. Yeah, it was a different spelling. My dad's name was Ronald. It was Rollin. So, anyways, Ronald Lee Clapton of the genuine beginning of the new millennium, the little series there in the Amberlick files. You can find it at com. And they did about four recordings, it looks like. And it was very much, I think, worth the time. And it will introduce you to this book that I'm reading and get you thinking about such things as what the time must have been like back then since we're in this time and season of reflection, hopefully, of Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus Christ, what was going on back that time, the King of Kings, the King of, you know, the Prince of Peace, Lord of Lords, why was all this, what was the big deal, why is it still a big deal today, if it's not real, why is it still sustained, Maintain. I know part of it. People very 
valid argument would be the use of the Roman Empire to help maintain it. The use of, the use of religion to, as the glue to hold the empire together. And that, of course, we we know that Constantine and the Baal priests and the apostate priests and everybody else got together and turned Christianity into the state religion in order to maintain the empire. Of course, this is just common knowledge that doesn't really need much explanation, except the fact that in the process of doing that, a lot of information has been lost as far as prior to the period of Constantine. And so, you know, we do the best that we can to try to understand that period in time. Um, I don't think that the state, the Roman Empire, has ever really wanted us to truly understand who Yeshua the Messiah is because it's a great threat to the empire itself. And just as it looks like the Jewish ruling elite had, don't want you to know it either because everybody seems to want to control the world and rule the world. So the Jews think that they have a divine right to rule the world. The, the uh, Muslims think they have a divine right to rule the world. The Catholics and uh, the papacy feel they have a divine right to rule the world. So you have these three major religions that have influenced our life so much in so many ways. And creeping up through it all is the Luciferian satanic doctrines that we're now seeing as they want to recreate the old Roman Empire, the old pagan Roman Empire of Satan worshipping and all that. They want to get rid of Christendom. They want to get rid of Islam. They want to get rid of the Jewish state, and they're going to do their darnest to do that. And it's most likely that we are going to witness, once again, the two witnesses being killed. <laughs> As it turns out to be most logically, the two witnesses are the Old and New Testament, and it's endless 2,000 years of assault on it to the point now that we just have mere fragments ourselves of what it probably was all about the truth even of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, now we can start to see why in his commandments he said to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. How do you do that? Well, that is to recognize him and his handiwork in all your life. And you, who you are, that there's no magical Santa that any gift you ever get in your life will come from Satan, but God himself allows it. Of course, Satan or Santa wants to take credit for it. It doesn't want you to believe in an intelligent designer, a God who created us, this world, the beast, the field, the field and the sea, and etc. And yes, we live in a barbaric and fallen world where, yes, spiders bite you, and dogs bite you, and tigers will eat you, and sharks will eat you, and all this kind of stuff. But I, we have the hope and faith and belief that beginning, that's not how it was supposed to be. But with the fall of man, how long came the fall of the world? Unfortunately, we have to live now with thousands of years, generations and generations, and regardless of all of that, you still have to live yourself with this whole fallen, corrupt world that we live in. And biggest issue, too, is the realization that you are corrupt, just as I am corrupt, and that there's no hope in hell in changing yourself, and it's just, you can learn, you know what I've seen always, like these New Agers and these all, uh, 
use of uh, self-help uh, books and uh, changing yourself and uh, being a shining light, uh, a white light witch, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, this whole um, you know, you have the power, co-creator in the world, and all that kind of stuff. All that in the end of the day, no matter how they soft sell, how they justify it, how they uh, pander to a this whole thing of doing for the right reasons, for good, for the best of humanity, it doesn't happen that way. And in the end of the day, it's all lip service. It's more magic being thrown at you through the use of workmanship, not workmanship, wordsmanship, the written word, in particular the, the uh, spoken word. I mean, it's fascinating listening to people who have a background in philosophy and use all these really grandiose words to make themselves sound so intelligent. But when you break it all down, as they walk through their forests, their fields, or they present themselves and say all these great things, they're saying absolutely nothing. There is no offer or no solution to any of this. There's no man-made solution to this. Our problem is man-made. Now people say I am being weak-minded and Maybe there's some valid truth to that, but you know what? At the same token, I can only use what I have, whether I have a weak mind or not, whether or not I have full understanding or not of my world, whether I am a good example or representation of God, God's will, whether I'm a good example of representation of humanity. I am who I am. So one thing, I, and that is I'm a flawed man. I'm a weak man. I'm a diseased man. I'm a lonely man. I'm a man who has love and compassion. I'm a man who can at times um, become greatly disappointed and even get angry. But in reality, I'm just a fallen man and nothing special. So, But the same token, the guy with all the the, the lengthy words, and the puffery, the um, uh, being very so quote unquote elegant, and this, uh, the master of manipulation through the use of words, the arts of workmanship, and how you put words together to make it sound like you know something when you really you're not really saying much of anything. What I find fascinating about philosophy is it leads you to nowhere, but asking more and more and more questions, but gets you nowhere. So you end up with a bunch of questions, and you sound really sophisticated and brilliant, when in reality, you're the blind leaving the blind. And that's really just how it is. So. And I think people don't want to know God, and people don't want to believe in God. They want to be able to have to do it their own way, and look what happens. Over and over again, we demonstrate over and over again that uh, how flawed we are, how we're unable to truly know the truth and live in it. You know what I mean? We don't want to accept the truth. We want to accept what other people say because it gives us the comfort and ease of knowing, of of believing, and the know that we know something. When it's not true, and so I'm.
where that is. And so that's the way that goes. So. And so let's see what we go down here. Hey Walt. Hey. Hey, hey for some can you can you let us wait until I finish this one reading of this chapter and we talk? Is that all right? Okay. Yeah, I can't. I can't uh, talk. Hang up. So, so go ahead and hang up. Oh no! Just listen. Just listen in. This is good stuff. It's called the Jews and the Magi. Listen to this. Uh, most Jews admire the Magi of the East. This was not only because of their former association with the Prophet Daniel, but also because they were not idolaters. Though the Magi believed that the power of the deity was manifest in the natural elements of fire, water, air, and earth, these Gentile priests did not set up material images in recognition of him. They were, in one way of looking at it, Gentiles who were leaning towards monotheistic belief. The Jews in the first century respected the Magi, the Jewish philosopher, by the name of Philo, who lived in the Alexander Egypt. During the, the time of Jesus spoke of Magi, the Magi with a warm phrase. Philo said that they were men who gave themselves to the study of the law of nature and that they contemplated on the divine perfections. To Philo, they were worthy of being counselors of kings. The main occupation of the Magi was their interpretation of things they considered divine. They principally dealt with <clears throat> the evaluation of dreams, visions, and astronomical signs. Astrological interpretations was of special importance of them. The Temple of Belus, gonna go Bell again, in what remained in the city of Babylon was in their care. In particular, they were advisors to the kings and priests that they were uh, especially consulted regarding the destiny of kings. The Parthian kings of the East had them as their advisors, and they were ones who performed the ceremonies uh, to their coronations. The Roman uh, author Cicero and Plutarch inform us that the Magi were ones were the ones who instructed the kings and princes of the East. Except for in rare circumstances, only royalty were allowed to be initiated into their secret teachings and understandings. This is one reason why the Magi must have felt it proper to tell Herod the details of their interpretation concerning the star that they were that they had been following. Though Herod would have had his own court astrologers, he must have paid particular attention to what the respected Magi Magian professionals, professionals from the East had to say about the newborn Jewish king. Their interpretations were especially sought out by prominent people because of the Magian influence in the royal courts of the East. In fact, the Magi were the, in such a high regard in the Parthia, Parthia that some even became kings. Even the Magi who came to Jesus were also considered as being princes or kings 
in some earlier accounts. But when the Magi come to Jerusalem, they arrived to do homage to the new Jewish king and to give gifts to him. In the next century, Teridius, I think so pronounced it, and the order of the Magi did the same thing when he visited the Emperor Nero. It is no wonder that the arrival of such Magi's caused great interest in, to hear Herod and to those in Jerusalem. So, anyways, well, how are you doing? Hope you're doing better than I'm doing. I'm having a heck of a time. <laughs> I've had a heck of a time, Walt. Um, but I've been really having grief. Now you know why I have a Christmas tree. and I'm going to tell you the reason why I have a Christmas tree. <clears throat> my son's uh, mother has given me living hell about the fact that I told my four-year-old son that Santa's not real and that elves aren't real. In fact, she's so upset, she wrote the local brag, the Toledo Blade, which goes up potentially to 300,000 people about how terrible I am for telling my son that Santa's not real. Now you know why I have his Christmas tree. Because I'm going to have to work my way you know what I mean? I got so much going against me that even my son's mother wrote to the local newspaper about what a terrible dad I am for telling him the truth that Santa's not real. Yeah, it's I, it, there's there's nothing. <laughs> I mean, I I you know I feel for you and I understand the frustration, but uh, I do fully understand the mindset. And uh, it's, uh, I do understand the mindset, and there's, uh, I, I, you know, I, I was, I, I really think I was talking to a friend the other day, and I, yesterday, and, and I, I don't teach this and advocate this, but I, you know, I think we, I think we, the Christians, the, the true Christians have been in the wilderness ever since 70 AD. Oh, Yeah. You know, and, and so uh, I think it's I think it's always been that way. You, you know, Daniel's uh, time. <laughs> well, and into into and today, there's just there there's just a remnant uh, of people through uh, through the land, through the world. See, just just a handful of us, and uh, and you know, and I, I I know there's a lot of people that are are shocked at some of the things that are going on, and I I I do agree. I mean, it's it's shocking, but. Uh, uh, that's why the Bible, when we get back into the Bible, it uh, explains all this behavior. <clears throat> and it's shocking to us, too, because of the fact that we've, the way they indoctrinate us, you know, it takes us a lifetime to figure out what the heck we, they told us. There's a lie. You know what I mean? That, 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 that every, <laughs> they're all lying to us. The men you know, of the world, the men of this world, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, um, <clears throat> and help me, um, uh, uh, Jonathan. You know who's got the what? What is his uh, YouTube is called? What the uh, Morgil? The Morgile. Mor- the Morgile. You know, uh, I watched an episode he made on May first of this year, last night. Plus, I've watched his latest one on the, you know on uh, it's something like this. The flat Earth is is not a globe. Uh, and the motive, the motive. And one thing, one thing, uh, 
one thing that I I have gleaned from um, from watching and, get, and being interested in uh, these flat flat Earth videos because I, I I don't consider myself a flat a flat land I mean a flat earther I I I I'm biblical and and this is going to make a lot of Christians um, uh, angry but but uh, the Bible is a flat Earth book. And it is heliocentric. Sure, is. they they want to they want to accept it or not. But the thing that what's amazed me, I got an email from a friend, and he was reading a book on the three astronauts, Armstrong, Aldrin, and I forget the three. And uh, it was a point by point description of what they did every day and everything. And he uh, writes me a little email. And he said, you know, if the astronauts did not go to the moon. It, it defies imagination. And, uh, you know, when, when people start talking about the flat earth, we seem to jump all around. But let's, one thing that every flat earther, all videos, and secular and all over, there's a lot of people that understand that NASA is just uh, a Hollywood, it's Hollywood at its best, it's it's magic. It's uh, it's sorcery. It's it's the craft. Exactly, it's, Lord, it is. That's what it is. It's and it was uh, given to us by by the paper by paperclip, and it was it, it was some of the Nazis' best, you know, that came over here and started NASA. And the Jesuits' best. <laughs> and you know, I I have to go back. I was just when you rang me there. Uh, you know, I I've got a, a book I'll, that I I tell you what off. I'm going through too. I need to tell you this too while you're. Uh, let me tell you this. So, um, uh, my neighbor that I've been sharing on the show, who's you know, I found this guy. He's eighty something. Who's like, you know, pretty progressive and has a library full of stuff that you and I have been researching mm-hmm. and others. Well, I told him about the flat Earth. And uh, we came, he came over yesterday, and we're sitting on the couch talking. I was trying to explain to him. And, he just and, looked and how, how, how old is he? He's in his 80s. Okay, go ahead. And uh, he said, you know what? What you're telling me means that everything that I ever learned in my life is wrong and is a lie. And that, you know, Mike, you, you, you sound crazy. And I said, I understand what you're saying. I understand exactly what you mean. And and he's being honest. He's being honest. I said, I explained to him, I said, listen, all I ask you to do is to keep on looking because the Bible verifies it. Your own eyesight verifies it. Your own eyes do. Um, You know, God gave you eyes for a reason. And, um, you know, if you don't believe it, you don't believe it. And I understand if you think I'm crazy. And look, I'm already making a simple stance, a simple, very simple stance, I'm telling my son that you know Santa Claus is just it's a, it's a, it's a we can play along and we can play with it and we can play with the elf and we can play with Santa and pretend what you know but it is all pretend it's not real and doesn't that, doesn't that relate with NASA it is because everything that they do do to us we live under the spell of magic our whole life and what is magic is the use of the the word wordsmithing, the use of the, the, the manipulating words, uh, whether it's verbal or written, and then it's imagery. And uh, you know, no, and it's, it's like it's like 
now you we've all seen this. We've seen uh, the magic act where they pull a rabbit out of the hat. You've seen that, haven't you? Certainly, I have my yes. Yeah. Well, well. In other words, does it look real? Well, that's the whole purpose, <laughs> right? Is magic yeah. is make make something that is unreal look or that is not real look real. That's our dilemma in humanity. Well, see, I, I, I see Christmas in, in, in your dilemma with your son as the same way with, with uh, your neighbor who came over when you started talking about uh, flat earth. Because one thing I think we can, we're, we, we, we're all guilty of this, no one is going to reveal to you. Um, Give me an example. I want to be, be, be this. This. This well, is really. This is really. This, this is what we're going over. This is what we live under. I mean, Revelation nine eleven. It says that they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue, has his name Apollyon. In other words, Satan. Satan. We live under the satanic rule. And what was the Apollo, the Apollo missions, the moon, the moon missions? You know? Yeah, they're all dedicated to Satan. <laughs> Even and NASA is just scrabbling up of the word Satan, just as Santa is. And it's just, it is. I mean, what do I, what do I do? I tell my son. I mean, what's the responsible thing to do? Is to lie to my son, like everyone else? Who is he supposed to trust? Well, you know, you can't you know trust. I, I, first of all, I don't have I don't have the answer. I don't I don't really have the answer, and, and we do have the answer. But it, we, you're you know, uh, um, um, trust. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I could you know, put a trust and a faith in our Lord and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and in the Bible. And you know what? That's our anchor. And, yeah, uh, and we realize that everything is a lie around us, and and that uh, we have to have the most, the uh, immense amount of compassion. And as time goes on, as time goes on, with the Pope's push on climate change, and uh, uh, which is a bunch and, of, of course, you and I both know it's a bunch of BS. We both know, we both know that it, but and it's being spearheaded by, by the papacy. But the thing of it is, the question I say to, say to you, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that the Protestant Reformation has been refuted. Okay, I mean that's been done. In other words, and the most people that would be listening, if somebody didn't understand, you know, the, I can tell you, round it off real quickly. The pro. Protestant Reformations knew who the papacy was, was the Antichrist. Well, we're living in a time in 2015 where the Jesuits have countered the Reformation with, with the start of in 1776 with, with the formation of, of a Catholic government. Well, they started long before that. Part of their kind of Reformation was the globe earth model. Well, and that's, that's true. And that's true. That's where I started with. And then but listen, I would like to just talk about that. See, I've got a book, and anybody can get it. It's called This Earth is Not Moving by Marshall Hall. He passed away about two, three years ago. But something that is really coming to, 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 to fruition now, and I can see it so plainly, is, in other words, Galileo was not teaching scientific facts. 
And it was the Roman Catholic Church that got heliocentric spinning. And there's a lot of important issues that we could be talking about today because the papacy, because the United States government is a, is a Roman Catholic country now. It's official. Okay. Yeah. And there's a lot of things we could be talking about, but, the, but, but how, did, how did they get this spinning globe going? And it started 400 years ago. See, I used to be bashful about this, and anymore, I'm talking, I can talk like this because what I'm saying is biblical. The earth is geocentric, and the Bible says that there's 67 verses. Now, now, now it's, it's important. People, people want to preach the Bible. They want to preach the Bible, but they don't want to believe the Bible. And the Bible is geocentric. This earth is stationary, and the North Star has been in the same place for 6,000 years since God put it there. And, 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 and there's so many things, but I, don't, I, I, want, I want to bring up geocentric and heliocentric in the biblical view. They had to have geocentric to, 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 to uh, d- discredit and the credibility of the Bible. You mean helios? Yeah, excuse me. They had to have their heliocentric. See, they had to have it to discredit the Word of God because the reformers were all. It was their first attack on science, because Timothy tells us, "Beware of false science." See, because because this, this what we see in the in the, in the new in the in this uh, flat earth movement and st- stuff is, is is biblical very very biblical and now a lot of people would say oh Walt, you've jumped off the deep end you're a flat earther no this bible this bible is is geocentric it opposes the world view and they had this is the very very important they had to have a spinning globe before they could preach evolution. Because you can go to college today, and heliocentric, geocentric is not even up for debate. They don't even mention it. But they will attack you, they will attack you from all angles on evolution. And, and, it, and it was the Roman Catholic Church that got this earth spinning. And then you, you have, I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want to, I don't want to d- d- distract, but Isaac Newton, you know, he's supposed to be the father of gravity. Isaac Newton, it was Galileo, Isaac Newton, and it took, it took Einstein to put, push it over the edge where it's not even debated now. And what was Einstein pushing about the relativity of theory of relativity? Is that right, Mike? The theory of relativity? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, okay. It was Einstein. It, it was Einstein that pushed it over the edge. Now it's just dogma. It's dogma. We are heliocentric, and, we're, and the sun is 92 million miles away. And I mean, and 
and and you see this is very very this this is what they attack yes we know the little horn of daniel and we know the son of perdition and the man of sin and the mother of harlots we know who the bible says and we know it is but how did they do this now this takes me to nasa now this is one thing anybody listening and has a and they're listening for the first time and think people that talk about flat earth are over the edge. Understand this. Do your own research, and you'll find what I'm saying is true. Every single, and many other researchers besides flat earthers, know that NASA is nothing but a craft. It's run by the Freemasons to sell their religion. NASA is a Masonic religion, and it's the same religion of Rome. And Fred, uh, it's up there on the internet to be you can find. His name was Fred Kleinick. He was the he was the director of Apollo, and now he's he's the head he's the head head guy there in Washington D.C. The grand 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 master. But listen, NASA is solely a, free, a, free, a Masonic re- religion, selling their religion. And, it's, and, and, and the seed of it was, it came from, the, from, uh, from World War II. They brought this, the rocket scientists and the scientists over here, and they started NASA. Some of the best, I mean... The, the, the Third Reich was great for its propaganda. And, you know, and like I sent this to a friend of mine yesterday, and he wrote back and he said to me, if this is true, Walt, that we didn't go to the moon, it defies the imagination. Yeah, and it's like my neighbor it, said, hey, every, you're, what you're telling me, Mike, is everything I have ever learned in my life is wrong. And he's trying to equate the same thing, though, too. He's, he's like his, he's, he thinks that I'm now preaching moral relativism, and he's trying to say, Mike, what you're trying to tell me is that the chair before me is not real. And I'm like, how do you get that? Where did you get that from? No, no, that I, I know, I, that's not true. I know you no, guys both know the tree is the, tr- the chair is real. I'm touching it. I'm feeling it. The problem is that you believe in something that you can't touch, feel, or prove. That's called the heliocentric model. It's a lie. There's yeah, not yes. one thing to prove it. it there is not. It, it's There's a theory. To... It's a theory that was brought to us by Galileo with a telescope, and it took Isaac Newton to throw in his lie and his 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 lies and gravi- on gravity, and then it was Einstein that pushed it over the hill. Now listen, listen. I said this to a brother last night in, in Canada. There's no way you will understand heliocentric and geocentric if God doesn't reveal it to you. Walt Stickle, Michael Adams, is not going to teach it to you. You have to, you have to take off your 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 scales. Your, the scales. scales and the glasses of all this stuff you've heard, and look for yourself. And you know, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. Last night, you sent me a video 
It's only 20 minutes. It's sunrises and sunsets. Mm-hmm. Now, I live a mile from the ocean. And ever since I go down, last time we had some sunny periods, I went down and watched the sunset twice. And I was kind of I'm trying to visualize. I watched that sun, the last speck over the horizon. And then you see the, the, the light shining on the clouds. I was trying to figure out what was going on. I couldn't picture it. And it ta- see, it takes another hour or so. It takes another hour or so to get completely black. Now listen, if that was a, if we were on a round globe, when that sun goes over the horizon, it'd be like going over and hitting a light switch. Because the sun the earth would block out the sun. It's it's living proof. Your sun there was 20 minutes in this video, and another thing that we don't we can't do when the sun's out in the middle of the day we can't look at the sun you can glance at it but you know it's not good for your eyes, but when you're watching it on a video you can watch that sun, you can look right at that sun, and they had time lapsed sunrises and sunsets, and they had them over a deck of clouds probably at about 30,000 feet. And what was amazing, what was, am- what was amazing is how straight the horizon is and how, how, how it doesn't matter how high you go, you still get the same effects. And the fact that it's always at eye level, no matter how high you go, right. the horizon is always at high. At, at, it, it's living proof that, the, listen, listen, I can talk about this stuff, and, and you can listen to this stuff, and there's a lot of people that can explain it a lot better than me. But if you don't stop long enough and visualize what you're watching, you cannot see it. And only God can, can, can open your eyes. You've got to stop long enough. You've got to turn off the NFL, and, the, and, and you've got to stop, and you have to give it some time. Because this lie has been given to you in a mobile. When you're when toddlers are in the bed, they put a mobile of the of of the of the galaxy in front of a baby, and then as soon as the baby can waddle, he's pushing a ball around. And we've had a globe, and, and the globe is a toy. It's not. It's not. I'm a pilot. You cannot navigate. You cannot navigate with that globe. If you tried to navigate with that globe, if I went down to the beach and I look at the globe and I say, well, I I need a heading of about maybe 270 to get to Japan. I mean, you will go completely off the mark. You will never find Japan because you're looking at the map that's on the globe. When you see, there's two different names of the names that I can't, I can't name the two names, but in other words, the flat earth map, map, the same map that you see for the United Nations is the map, is, is the real, that's where things are really at. And see, Australia is not down and under. That's what we've been told. 
And the biggest, you know, the biggest thing that people can come back at you, and that was about my first years ago, when it was a, when it was a, uh, when I was said when I was asked, do, do you believe the do you believe the Earth is flat? I said, well, no. I said, well, the moon's the moon's round. And then I I, quote, I quoted Isaiah about the circle. The circle tells you it's flat. Isaiah tells you it's flat. So that doesn't that doesn't count. But you you have there's not any proof that's, there's not any proof that the, the moon is round because we've never seen the other side of it. There's nothing to prove. Well, well, we, we know it's well, and, and that's true it's, too. It's, it's I mean, that's all, true. It's a circle. It's, 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 that. it's a circle, and we're, and we're we're assuming <laughs> we're we're assuming we're always assuming. You see, but the, but but the evidence that's out there right now. I mean, if you look your, with your own eyes, with your own eyes. You know, but the point of it is, what is the motive? That's why if you go to uh, Jonathan's, um, help me with his name of his YouTube. Uh, the Morgile. The Morgile. His, la- his last one is, is Flat Earth, Flat Earth 3 or something like that. The motive. It is, it, the way he explains, in, what's he explaining He's explaining NASA. He starts off with NASA. Why would they go to such lengths? It was 46 years ago that we went to the, went to the moon. Yeah. And, and it's a good place to start because if you believe we went to the moon, forget looking any further. <laughs> you know, I mean... I know, I know. I, I mean, you, this, the deception is so deep and so strong. Well, it, it, it's You've got to really, start somewhere and... Then, and for most well, it's people, not. It, it's not as. It, it's not as. Over the head with, it, it's, for most people, hitting them over the head with the Earth is flat is too much for them to deal with first. That's well, and, and it is. And then people say, "Well, I don't care about that. I don't care about. That. I don't care if it's square, round. You know, what it is. But, but, when you when you, in in the, the point of it, from a biblical view, see. Marshall Hall on his book was right on right on the target. That NASA, the reason for NASA is to is to push push the ball over the edge and give us give us outer space. Because if, I watched another video and you watched it, you know. They, they they were I can't even think of the astronaut they were he was he was asking questions. But he um he said, well, he said uh, something like this. He said, when he was asked about the Van Allen belt, he said, um, well, I don't think we encountered the Van Allen belt when we went to the moon. <laughs> he actually says this. He says, well, this- maybe, maybe we did, you know. And, oh, I remember the little spark on the side of my... Yeah, yeah. I, remember. <laughs> yeah I, I, I seen a flash go by one time, you know. You know, <laughs> in, 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 you know. but, but the, point of, the point of it is, how did an organization... An organization that's multi-million-dollar funded. How did they do this? Well, that's why it it gets real clear. It gets real clear when you realize it was the Freemasons that were behind it. Yeah. It, 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 it's it's because it's their religion. It's their religion. Here here here's a here's this is a. James Edward Webb, the NASA administrator from 1961 to 68, said this. 
the mission of the craft has always been one of now he's talking about he's talking about Freemasonry when he says the craft, okay? The mission of the craft has always been one of salvation, but until now its field of endeavor was the individual and bringing of him to the light. Masonry cannot think in these terms now. All men everywhere must hear our message or all men everywhere will perish. In other, in other words, it defies the imagination, but if you, if, 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 you, if you think we went to the moon, well, you just, you just keep, go, go grab your ball and, and spin your, your blue globe and be happy. Don't go any further. But if you do the research, there is no way they went to the moon. Yep. The Van Allen belt, God, God has put a lid on man. And then you're going to say, well, do you believe we went to Mars? How about the Pluto? How about... No, that's all paint shop. <laughs> and I have to share this. I'm going to share this with the world today. And it's going to be called... I want to bring this up. I want to, uh, there's a purpose. This is not a purpose to, to, to put some one person down. It's called sharpening sharpening our discernment. Now, I, I, my, my website, granddesignexposed.com, is called the Grand Design Exposed. Now, it's named, I got the name from the author, John Daniel, the Grand Design Exposed. Now, I called John on the phone, and I, and I got his book, and it took me, took me about a year before I started reading his book, and I started reading the book it's and I about English history and history of America and how it was formed and very very interesting but in the course I I did a lot of fellowshipping with this author a lot of fellowshipping I spent hours on the phone I'll show you how dull my discernment was four years ago, four or five years ago. First of all, I'm going to tell you what, why John Daniels threw me under the bus. Because I brought up the theory, you see, I was introduced in 1996 to a lecture about two theories. One theory that we go around the sun and the other theory that we're stationary and there was an article in the in the popular science magazine and this man, you cannot prove it. I cannot prove we're stationary. I'm not trying to trade and I, but, but listen the evidence the listen, they've done experiments and they've did scientific experiments and the the experiments point towards a stationary earth but but the science people will not allow it in the textbooks. So the truth of it is, you know, and the Bible. And so I'm talking to a man that's a Christian, and he's telling me, I tell him, I said one day I shared, I said, you know, it's kind of interesting. There's two points, two theories in this world, one that we're rotating around the sun, and the other one that were stationary. It's kind of funny, I said, you know, the only people that get mad 
are the ones that are the are the ones that when I the ones that claimed that were going around the sun. He exploded on me. He exploded on me and said, "Don't you ever talk about this again? Don't you ever?" You know. <laughs> and then I pointed out one other had one other conversation with him, and I pointed out on page 110 of his book that he's teaching that Galileo was teaching scientific fact. And that is just a straight-up lie. Galileo was not teaching scientific fact. But, but the, thing, the thing that pushed me over the edge was this. Now, sharpening our discernment. We here on the Internet are exposed to so much information that we have to sharpen our discernment. I don't care what I say. Anything that I've said, I mean, you have to go view it for yourself and read it for yourself. You, you can't believe Walt Stickle. Right. You know. But when, when, when I'm talking to this man for over two years, and he shares with me that his webmaster is a 32nd degree mason and I'm a, I, I know how to build web pages. I wanted to say I didn't. I said, well, why don't you have me do it? I mean, my price is right. I'll do it for nothing, but I didn't say that. But not only that, he revealed to me that his 32nd degree mason also does web work for NASA. <laughs> Now, this don't 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 think I'm aiming this at John Daniels. Let's look at Walt Stickle and his discernment. It took me three years to put two and two together. Two and two is four. Two and two is four. And if I came on Michael's broadcast and said that that you know to sharpen up my website, I've turned it over to a thirty-second degree mason. You better have some discernment. You better realize, I'll tell you where my website came from. It came from Walt Stickle, a retired truck driver, pilot, beekeeper, but I'm 71 years old. That's where it came from. It didn't come from a 32nd degree mason. And also, John Daniels used to preach, and he... I feel I don't feel like I'm telling any stories on John Daniels. John Daniels used to say this on radio shows time and time and time again. He would go along with his spiel about the papacy, you know, and not, listen, I'm not, nothing against, you know, I, I, I learned an awful lot with his book and his research. But all of a sudden he would dive off into this Saturn he would say that Saturn, that, that the Jesuits and the space shuttle, they got something going on, and they, they've, got, they've got something circling Saturn, and they're going to blow that up, and it's going to come down in pieces into the ocean and cause two 300-foot tidal waves. Now, now, not until I started looking... They are not up at they're not up at Saturn. They can't go through the Van Allen belt. Their electronics won't work. 
And NASA is nothing but the craft. It's nothing but black magic. Very true. And that's, the, and that's hard. And so, so it, before you start pasting any um, flat, flat, flat earther, remember that the first thing you do is really thoroughly investigate NASA and find out who is running NASA. And, and here I was dealing with a man. Here was I was dealing with a man that's got a 32nd degree mason, and he's doing web work for NASA. Now, you can, you can fill in the, the pieces. Did I have any discernment? I, I should have said, what are you doing? What, this is how I should have. This is what I should have done. Please explain to me why you have to have a 30-second degree mason do your web page. Why? Because John Daniels is heliocentric. John Daniels believes there's life in outer space. And to have your aliens and life in outer space, you've got to have heliocentric. You've got to have it. And that's why NASA is so important to, to spread their black magic. They've blinded us. A, a, you know, a government agency? I mean, you, and, and the same people, it's the same people the moonshot, 9-11, it's the, same, it's the same people that are pulling this stuff. 9-11, they, de- they destroyed two buildings. They turned them to dust. They turned the buildings to dust, and they fell in their place, and there was a crater at the very bottom. And 14 people survived in Tower 2. 14 you didn't hear about that in the nightly news. You didn't hear that on Fox News. But if you get Judy Wood's book, I mean, there's even a guy that survived. And he's wrote a book. Walt Stickle ain't, ain't making this up. Can you imagine, Michael, that if you and I were in that building and we survived 550,000 tons of material collapsing on top of us and we survived? You could, I mean, you couldn't, it would would defy your imagination. These people, these people use magic. They use magic. They're pulling rabbits out of a hat. And we've, we've listened to 60 years of television. And the masters of, of this are the same people that are behind NASA. And that lie that NASA claims is, 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 is just that. And who is the father of lies? Satan. You, if, you, if you don't have a biblical background, you cannot understand the evilness in this bunch. When you go by a lodge in your local town, when you go by a lodge, that organization is the most wickedest organization 
coupled with the Jesuits, because the Jesuits run the Freemasons at the very top. But the people at the bottom, and let's say a master mason was listening to Walt, a master mason has nothing. He doesn't have a clue what's going on at the top. And they even come out and tell you, Pike even writes in his read that it, it's, they do it, they, they deceive the lore, the lore, the lore people. And you can go into every town, and, 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 and um, Michael's in Ohio, and he knows the one I'm talking about. There's a big Masonic Hall right off I-80, north of, north of I-80. Huge. You can go through Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they have a lodge there right, I think it was on I-35, and it is huge. And what about the, what about the, 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 the Masonic uh, hall there in uh, Washington, D.C.? It's huge. And I've never been through the one in Philadelphia, but I did, I did a virtual tour through the Internet. And you can go, go to that on the Internet, and you'll find that it's huge. This organization, this organization is, is, is satanic to the core, to the core. If you're, if, if you're not a child of God, you can't understand the wickedness of these people. And, and if, you, if, you go to, if you go to, to Jonathan's website and, and listen to his first one, his first one, it will open your eyes. It first one what? First one what? It's, it, it's the, his, his, his latest one. It's called his latest one. Let me see if I can bring it up real quick. You're talking about an interview? No, no, his last, his last video. Oh. oh. Oh, I got it right here. Earth, not a globe. Send the it to motive. me. The motive. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll send it to you, but I, I'm, I, think you, I think you've seen this. I don't know. But it's his last one. What, 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 when, and it's the way he presents this. He uses... Well, here's, here's a question for you. Have you thought about this? As we're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, you have guys like uh, John Daniels and ourselves. And, you know, it's, you know, we talk about Freemasonry and how wicked it really is and how satanic it really is. Is it to their advantage, is it part of their agenda that we expose how wicked and focus so much on uh, the Roman Catholic Church and the papacy and all that? It's actually to their advantage that people focus on that while they're busy doing their thing. It really doesn't matter in a day if they're focusing on that because they're all, you know, as long as they're not focusing on the big picture who's really involved in all of this, um, you know what I mean? People say, well, well, no, there's people that are talking about the Freemasons. They are, but they're not really talking about it. There's not a lot of names being named. You know, this, you know, they'll say stuff like, well, George Washington or the presidents, but how many people are actually talking about your local lodge and the members there and the, your, your local grandmaster and all that other stuff? You know, <laughs> I don't think they're talking too much about it. What I'm saying is, is that it's actually to the Freemasons and the global agenda at large to focus at just one group instead of the whole package, which is big, big deception. Big. 
yes, all sorts no. of organizations and knighthoods and Freemasonry and etc. And we definitely are free, a Jesuit, a Roman Catholic Jesuit-controlled Freemasonic-run corporation called the United States of America. And just like you said, there's a lodge everywhere, but you'll be amazed how many lodges are also around a lot of Christian, quote-unquote, Christian churches. And the word Christian today in America, the word Christian means Catholic. There isn't such a thing as Protestant churches. No, but they won't, they're not going to exist. They're going to they don't work. exist. They don't exist. They're going to usurp them and destroy them. And if they, well, they've already been done. It's, it's all, that's already been done. And if they get too big now, then they, what do they do? I mean, let's look at uh, uh, what's the... You, you know, in other words, I've learned myself. Now, I can say things that Chris Pinto can't say. I, you know, I can say, because I don't, and this on Michael's broadcast here, we don't have a big following. If we had, if we had a big, uh, 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 a big following, and they started listening, you know, I don't want anybody to follow Walt. I mean, if you're following Walt, you you got a, you got a problem. You're following any man. When you find yourself following any man, really go into the mirror and take a look at yourself and reevaluate what you're doing. You know, you you have you have to you have to look outside the box, and yes, it's the Roman Catholic Church and Freemasonry. You see, the people in this country and where we're at today, we're in a very dark time in history. Okay, I mean, but see, well, what I'm saying is, well, is that as long as people are focusing on, say, the Roman Catholic Church or Freemasonry. It's okay if you you know, attack the group because they don't really care. Because you're not really attacking the head of the snake. You're not really talking, attacking the the culprits. You're not really doing anything about it. That's right, and that's you know right. I mean? and, 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 and matter of fact, matter of fact, they like they they they, they like that. The division. See, they like the division. In other words, and they when, when they when they. You know, because, see, there's a lot. I, I, I'm going to do a broadcast on my broadcast. I, I'm doing some research. I don't even know when I'm supposed to do it on the 17th. But understand dominion theology. Dominion theology is their baby also. See, they want people. See, if you remember when Tupper Saucy was on Greg's broadcast, I mean, if, if – I mean, all is required is for people to wake up. If, if, if now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not going to say that's going to happen. But see, they know, and I we have tacked one of the granddaddies of all. That's that the granddaddy of them all is NASA, and heliocentric. That is the granddaddy. Once, once they got that. Then they they've hijacked science. They've literally hijacked science. I can't prove this, but like the satellites, when I first heard this too, I and I can't say this for for because I can't say this for just. But I'm gonna I'm going to what I've what I've watched and what I know. Listen, GPS is being run from down here. <laughs> I agree with you. The onus of proof is not on us. It's on NASA. It's on the people that claim that there's satellites out there to prove to us that they are, and they're not doing that. 
They're just giving us image. They're just giving us more drawings, CGI imagery. They're just giving us more artwork instead of the real thing. And people that think that well, Walt's a little dingy. He's real dingy, you know. Well, just you know, it'd be so easy to prove to me that we're a globe. All you got to do, you got twenty thousand satellites out there. They've been to Mars. They claim they've been to the moon. And all we see is this phony picture that they did on a, on a Hollywood uh, uh, set of the moon in the, in, the, in the background. Every one of those pictures, it's been proven without a shadow of a doubt, are photoshopped, composition pictures. That's all if you look, I mean, the first you, thing you have to do is the imagery of them leaving the moon. And some cameraman taking a picture of it. Who was there taking the picture, following it as it's going up into supposedly the space? I guess the cameraman showed up first. As uh, well, I, maybe they swung back <laughs> and got him. I don't know. You know, I, I, I apparently I, the astronauts aren't the first people to the moon because the cameraman was. When you when you start look <laughs> when you start looking at the moonshot, and realize how big of a lie and what they did, they pulled a rabbit out of the hat. They brought up, they pulled the rabbit out of the hat. I mean, and the thing of it is, one thing I want to say here too is people, when you, you, Michael, myself, or anybody listening, when you leave the confines of your house and go outside to your neighbors or whatever, like you just experienced on the start of this, they believe we went to the moon. And they believe that 19 camel jockeys pancake drove airplanes into air, into buildings and they pancake and disappeared, turned into dust, magical turned to dust, dust. pixie dust, magical dust. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I mean, I mean, they, see, they actually believe this, and this is the reason why they're not worried. They're not worried about uh, uh, because I really do feel, and I'm not going to name any names because that doesn't do any good. But but uh, but you know, uh, there's there's some flat earthers out here that are promoting this. I mean, there's some people out here that, that you know, and the Jesuits always control both sides of uh, whether it's Democrat, Republican, left, right, black, white. They always control both sides of a confrontation. In other words, what you say, well, what is the advantage? Listen, they are not worried about the flat earth. They have got this so deeply hooked in people that, that you know what, what it's, what it's going to cause us. Like you, you brought your neighbor over, and you're, just, you're trying to share, you know, Michael, but, you know, the truth of it is you're not going to be able to share with everybody. You can plant some seeds. You can plant a few seeds every once in a while, but when you, when you sit down – and give them more than one seed, they run out of water. I mean, I mean, for anybody to see this, it's like myself. Just take, using myself as an example, I'm 71 years old. It was 19, uh, 1996. I was about 52, three, 53 years old, something like that, when I heard that there was... I heard anything about heliocentric, and it wasn't even heliocentric. They did this. This author, this lecturer, when he 
give the two differences between one group going around the sun and one in a stationary, he didn't mention geocentric, heliocentric. But that was the first time in my life, and now there are people in this world today that live and die and never question the spinning globe. They never question it. And I seen a video, I think you sent it to me, Mike. I got the same thing out of the Truman Show. I watched that thing, I'll be honest with you, I probably watched it five times when I had it here. And I always got a little bit out, a little bit more out of it every the second time. But the Truman Show portrays we, what they did to Truman, what they did to Truman, they've done to the whole world. They have created our reality. And they know, the movers and shakers, they know that they control all the universities. And they know, and, 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 and you've already experienced, your neighbor, your neighbor was not vicious, but you bring this up to especially a Christian, especially in somebody that's been to a seminary or a Bible college. I mean, they are going to show you the door. And the only thing they can do is get mad and show you the door, and they don't dare look into it. Because most, most of the young men that are out here making some videos and sharing their research started by trying to debunk it. And I challenge anybody, if you don't think we're, we're flat, it, try to debunk it. I, you know, Jim Fitcher, you know, David Weiser was on Jim Fitcher. And, uh, and it's too bad that Fitcher didn't go first. But, but anyway, when Fitcher got his chance, I thought Dave Weiser did an excellent job. I thought he did an excellent job. And when Fitzer had his half hour, everything that Fitzer said has been debunked. Everything that he said had been debunked many, many times. The evidence that he gave, you know, a matter of fact, I, I, I think I heard you say it, and I felt the same way. I feel a little, I feel a little empathy for Jim Fritzer. I mean, in other words, he, he, just, he doesn't realize... He, did, he didn't realize he really, especially the people that, that have done a little research themselves, that everything he was saying has been debunked. I know. You know, and, and, uh, but, but, but it, was, it, it, it was good. It was good. I mean, this isn't for everybody. I mean, people, if you're satisfied with a spinning earth and, 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 you know, and you're not dizzy yet and you got it all figured out, stay with it. Don't look, don't look at a flat earth because you're not going to like what you find. Well, that's the thing that's the problem is that, you know, the problem is, is I think it's really important for us to also share with people the consequences of following the truth. And as I share with you today, uh, the fact that <laughs> people who are very close to you are going to um, not be so close, or they're going to challenge you at the very minimum, and they're going to call you names and and um, call you crazy, and 
write letters to the local newspaper saying what a terrible dad you are for telling your kid that Santa's not real. So, I mean, that's what we're dealing with. And I wish I was making it up. Well, well, even even <laughs> even, even even the age we live in, you know, we don't have a, a the, 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 uh, but but uh, heliocentric, geocentric. There are a lot of very qualified people besides a retired truck driver. I mean, there are a lot of people that have never bought into the into the heliocentric. And if you stop long enough, and if you stop long enough and you start realizing what they've told us, imagine this, the North Star. You know why it's called the North Star? Because if you go tonight, no matter where you're at, I think it's in the Northern Hemisphere, how far down can you see the North Star? How far out are you can, see the North, you can see the North Star in, in, in South America, can't you? Uh, I think, you, well, yeah. How far into, uh, I don't know. How, I'd be like the tip of Argentina, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. So. Yeah, well, 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 I would but, assume that's the case, but I don't know if that's well, 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 like, like well, the case. Well, like, should find out somebody from Argentina so that they could see the North Star. But I would assume that would be the case. They use that, they've used the mariners have used the North Stars. The compass and the follow, you know, to and, navigate and, and, the globe. So, <laughs> well, and they use all the stars. I, I mean, I I know a retired tugboat captain, and I, and I wouldn't, you know, he pulled out his sextant. He knows how to run a sextant, and he's he was a tugboat captain, and he he's been all the way to Alaska. He's been to Taiwan. He's you know he's been all over the East Coast. Been through the Panama Canal more than he can count, and. Uh, uh, yes, and he, he he's of course he's a master mason, but uh, but he knows how to run a sextant, and uh, you know man has used the stars to navigate. Now if now now just, just stop and think about this, six we're traveling sixty seven thousand miles an hour and we're spinning at a thousand miles an hour at at the equator, we're breaking the sound barrier, folks. Now that's what they're telling us. That's what they're telling us. That's what makes the sun go down is us spinning. And we're on an axis, axis, and that shifts with the seasons. And, you know, and that's, what, that's what makes us. But if you stop and think of what they have told us, and we have traveled for thousands of years, 6,000 as a Bible believer, I, I believe in the young earth that's 6,000 years old, just like the Bible says. But I'm 71 years old, and that North Star has stayed in the same place. People have passed that down for centuries. And that North Star is still in the same place. And we're having all this motion. It doesn't make sense. And as long, you know how they kept this lie going? Nobody talks about it. All you'd have to do, you can't bring it up to people. They've, they, they've, they've sunk it in so deep. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm always going to be uh, throwing a little piece of bait out once in a while. But, I mean, there's no sense choking them. There's no sense choking them because it, it breaks their whole, their whole, their whole life, their, all their reality. That's right. It's like my neighbor said yesterday. Uh, 
Mikey, what you're telling me, you know what you're telling me, you're telling me that everything that I've ever believed in is a lie. And I'm like, well, that's what Satan did. <laughs> that's what Satan does, right? That's, that's what Satan <clears throat> has done with the heliocentric. It is a big lie. And once, and, once, and once they got a hold of all the institutions, you know, and people don't want to believe, don't want to go here, you know, but understand, you know, I mean, I don't want to go here because, you know, the Protestants have been infiltrated also, okay? Absolutely. I mean, they were, in, they were, they were I mean, in other words, like Isaac Newton. I was just getting, when you called me today, I was just getting, going to read that chapter out of Marshall Hall's book on Isaac Newton. I mean, he's exclaimed as the best, uh, a scientist and the smartest thing, and, and he was a Protestant, you know, and, uh, and, the, and, and what I'm saying, the Protestant, there was Protestant scientists that have kept this going too. You know, and there's a lot of men like, but I still love old Ken Hoven. I love old Ken Hoven. He's touched a lot of people, and I remember listening to his DVDs before he even went to prison. But Ken Hoven, Ken Hoven, you know, is not. He says he ta- he takes the Bible literally. No, Ken Hoven doesn't. Ken Hoven does not take the Bible literally, or he would be geocentric. See, I can, you know, that's that's why I'm geocentric. It's because the Bible says so. In other words, in the, I believe the first verse of the Bible: "In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth." He didn't say, "In the beginning, God created the heaven and a planet." Any time you hear the word "somebody," we're using the word "planet." They are deceived. They are deceived. They don't even know where they're living. This is the earth. And I remember on Nicholas Arthur's broadcast, I called in one time. We talked a little bit, and we had a technical thing go with the computer. You know how computers are. Got disconnected. But I, 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 I caused a little interest in one of the listeners. When I, when I brought this up, one of the listeners I brought this up. Now, the reason why I believe it's the earth instead of a planet, I, I, I should go back. If you do a search on the word earth in the Bible, it's in there 987 times. The word planet is used one time singular. No, 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 take it back. Strike that. The word planet is not in the Bible singular. It's in there plural because because where it's referring to people that are that are uh, that are into sun worship, into Baal worship, you see, and so Nicholas Arthur, right on his broadcast, he looked it up in the concordance, and he he came out and he actually said it. He said, "No, it isn't a planet, because a planet is a wandering star. That's why they've got to have." Heliocentric. It's probably one of the biggest deceptions that have that have that have closed the minds of people by slowly taking their science away. Slowly, and what do people? You got all these educated people out here. If all, if you know, if 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 they would if they would give up a little bit, if they would cave in a little bit, they would lose their profession. 
I mean, that's, that's, how, that's how deeply rooted what, and how important this is. It is a very, very important issue because, if, if, because it takes the credibility away from the Bible. And people, I hear people all the time in, in, in Ken Hovind, Ken Hovind is, is guilty of this. He's, he does not take, he says he takes the Bible literally, but he doesn't. Because in Joshua, the God stopped the, the sun, not the earth. And it's 67 times. The Bible says that the sun set, the sun rises. It didn't say the earth is turning. You know, the Bible is very, if you, if you, if you read it, it's geocentric. And people don't want to hear this, because I even heard somebody ask this to Kent Hovind. He said, Kent Hovind, the atheist, uh, you know, when they read the Bible, you know, they, they get a flat earth out. They, they see it as a flat earth. You know how, how Kent Hovind answered that? He went right to Isaiah in the circle, the circle, where the circle is mentioned. And if you read that Bible verse, it tells you we're a circle. A circle is not a sphere. Correct. In the atheist, some of these and some of these atheists are no dumbbells. They've read the Bible, and and they will tell you it is a flat book. It's a flat Earth book. You know, and Ken Hovind has done a, a, a lot of good. I love. I still love. I still love him. But man, he, you know, he's he's got to sell his books. He's got to sell his books. He's got he's got forty thousand uh, subscribers to his YouTube. You know, and 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 in other words, uh, you you see Walt Stickle and Michael Adams. I mean, in other words, we've already had most everything taken. I mean, I'm seventy one years old, and I'm not in the middle of the workforce. But I mean, you know, a, a, a pilot. Why does why don't pilots come to come to the surface? Well, because if they did, Whatever if they job. did, they it's wouldn't career, have it. Well, they would be career suicide. It's it's career suicide. Yes, absolutely. It's best to not talk about it. So it's, it's now, see, it's us. not salvation. It's easy, it's easy for us to to talk about these things. It's about the flat Earth and etc. The Jesuits and Freemasons and how NASA is just, you know, the satanic, you know, it's part of the craft of the Satan and uh, Freemasonry. Because we have, we don't, you know, we do have things to lose, but uh, we've got enough, we've lost enough not to worry about losing anymore, I guess, is what it comes down to. <clears throat> we lost enough, and uh, I'm going to be in the process of probably losing more. I'm losing more right now with this, my stance. But, you know, that's what are we losing? We're losing the illusion of true friendships, of the illusion of true companionship, of, of the illusion of love. Uh, what people say is love. They love you as long as you uh, conform to what they want you to be. They're, but you know, do they really love you? Especially if you start speaking the truth, you know. And you know what? Like I said at the beginning of the show, I think this whole process is just over and over again is to convince me that there's only one to turn to, and it's not to Mike Adams or anybody else on this earth. It's to our Lord and Savior 
and to our Heavenly Father in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. And that's it. That's the answer. The answer is to turn to God, and this is what this is all about. So I hate to, I hate to end this because I'm really having a good time, but i got to pick up my son in seven minutes. So but <clears throat> for the person who is listening and those who will be listening in the future here, this is part two of uh, Ernest L. Martin's book, the, Sun, the Star That Astonished the World, The Star of Bethlehem. And uh, as we will learn that it's not just a star, it, it's actually alignment of certain planets in the moon that just made an amazing, amazing, amazing visual uh, testimony of the fact that our, our, of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that, that's what it is. And so, um, you know, I think, uh, well, I certainly appreciate you coming on. I needed to talk to somebody after I just went through a little bit of fellowshipping, you know what I mean? And I ask for your prayers and the prayers of others and, you know, the guests too and, uh, that uh, yeah. that uh, you pray for me. That uh, as I go to go pick up my son, there's some more problems, <laughs> or to minimize the problems. She's ext- my son's mother is extremely upset with me. That thinks I'm a very irresponsible father for telling my son that Santa's, Santa's not real and that elves aren't real. <laughs> but it's, I mean, she's so mad. She wrote she wrote this little blade. Did they print it? I don't know. We'll find out. I'm sure she'll let me know because I don't read the play. Well, I'm sure I'll be. uh, Maybe it's an opportunity for people to wake up. Maybe the price that one must pay in order to wake up somebody else up is that you have to be uh, bullied and made fun of and all that. So you let, you know, a thousand people make fun of you, but that one person might say, well, maybe he's right and investigate it. And that's what we have to do, you know what I mean? So. Well, in, 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 the, in, the, in the thing of it is, there's just there's a few of us. The Bible tells us we're in a time. I think God's people, God's got his people all over the world. But I don't know just exactly where they're at. <laughs> and I'm not, in, you know, and, and I don't know exactly where they're at. But uh, it's time to come out and be separate. Absolutely. I mean, it's never before in history, I mean... You know, uh, you know, I've, you know, I do have to go. Well, I would love to hear more of this. So, okay, but but listen, I, I, was, I, was, I was glad I was glad I was there because I know when when you get hit with spiritual things like this, it does hurt. It does help to just talk about it a little bit. So, yeah. God bless and I love and you. I, you know, and I got to be a part of my life. Thank you, guys, too. And I and I got a you know, and people. If